Hello everyone, welcome to Narrative Calculus, the podcast show where we review everything from movies to TV shows, books, media, and everything in between. Today, we're doing part two in our three-part series of The Lord of the Rings. We are reviewing The Two Towers. What are these two towers referring to? Who knows? Ty, do you know? Yeah, uh, I I got nothing. In case you're new to our podcast, I'm Jonathan, a filmmaker, and this I'm is... I'm Ty, I'm a wannabe writer. No, Ty, you are a writer. You need to get that in your head. This movie, directed by Peter Jackson, came out in 2002 and made $94 million against the 900... And it had a budget of $94 million against a $951 million budget. No, oh, let me do that again. Sorry. Just cut that out. Keep what I had before. This had a budget of $94 million against a box office of $951 million. The cast and crew, I'll just read it off to you as fast as I can. Try to make this quick and painless, hopefully. Bruce Alpress is Aldor, Sean Aston is Sam, John Bach is Madril, Sala Baker is Manflesh Urukai, Kate Blanchett is Galadriel. Orlando Bloom is Legolas, Billy Boyd is Pippin, Jed, Bro- Jed Brophy is Sharku Snaga. Um, uh, like, yeah, Sam Comrie is Etho, and Brad Giroff is Wormtongue, Callum Giddens is Halleth, Bernard Hill is Theoden, Theoden, Brass, Bruce Hopkins is Gambling, Paris House Shaw is Theodoran, Christopher Lee is Saruman. Um, Viggo Mortensen is Aragorn, Miranda Otto is Eowyn, Craig Parker is Haldir, Bruce Phillips is Will Rohan anybody Soldier, even listen to the Andy whole thing? Circus is Gollum, Olivia Tennant is Freyda, they're Lee all gonna Trekkie skip off. Is Beric, Liv Tyler is Arwen, Carl Viewership is rates Eomer, dropping Shepin like a rock. Or Grishnag, Hugo Weaving is Elrond, David Wenham is Farmer, Elijah Wood is Frodo, Billy. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That, oh my god. You, you all probably clicked off right there already, so I'll just say good morning, good evening, good night. Ah, <laughs> oh, that was, oh my gosh. That was longer than my Minecraft Feed the Beast startup time. That's right, I play Minecraft. Weird segue. It was Weird bad. segue, I know. Yeah, don't worry. We're not going to become a gaming, <laughs> gaming podcast either. That's that's completely out of the question. I don't know. Ty, do you want to go over the rough plot for us? Nah, I want to go talk about my latest build. I'm building this huge mage tower. It's really awesome. Hey, Ty. Ty. You're fired. <laughs> podcast over, guys. Go ahead and leave. All right, um... Getting back to the actual goal of this, even though I would like to do a podcast on Minecraft, but, you know, um, getting back to it. Alright, in case you haven't seen the movie, here's a real quick rundown of the plot. Basically, Frodo and Sam are somewhere near Mordor. They're being tracked down by Gollum. They take pity on him and allow him to guide them. Aragon, Legolas, and Gimli are trying to track down Merry and Pippin. Merry and Pippin are nowhere to be found. Something, something, they go to Rohan. Something, something, they overthrow the king. <laughs> they don't overthrow the king. They release the king from from Saruman's control. Oh, and Gandalf is alive again, by the way. Just a quick reminder. Anyway, <laughs> Aragon is killed, quote-unquote, but he's not. He also meets some girl named Eowyn. They run to Helm's Deep because they're terrified of Saruman. Something, something, Arwen goes to... Arwen decides to run away to Valinor. Elrond is contacted by Galadriel, and they decide to send an army of elves to Helm's Deep to assist the men. Meanwhile, in Fangorn, Merry and Pippin meet Treebeard. After a whole bunch of debating, the Ents decide to attack Isengard. Aragorn arrives at Helm's Deep, reveals that Saruman's army is close, and Theoden must prepare for battle. The army of elves from Lothlorien arrives, and a huge night battle ensues, probably some of the best fight scenes in all movie history. After I would agree that fight scene was pretty incredible. It was really good. Anyway, after a whole epic battle, the surviving Urukai... Oh, oh, actually, no, sorry. Um, It looks really bleak for a little while, 
but Gandalf comes out of nowhere as the ultimate deus ex machina and manages to save their lives. Gollum, meanwhile, is leading Frodo and Sam through the Dead Marshes to the Black Gate. Something, something, they're captured by Faramir, brother of the late Boromir from the last movie, who you may remember. Uh, yeah, Faramir is not very happy when he discovers what happened. Uh, he decides to take the ring to his father, Denethor, after finding out that Frodo has them. Anyway, Frodo tries to get free, a whole bunch of stuff happens, and Nazgul nearly captures Frodo, who falls under the ring's power and actually tries to kill Sam for a minute. Anyway. Yeah, that was pretty, pretty intense. Anyway, Faramir, after seeing Frodo's resolve, he decides to release them. After seeing the effects of the ring, Gollum, on the other hand, decides to betray Frodo and reclaim the ring by leading the group to a mysterious her upon reaching Sirith Ungol. Ha! <sighs> that was that was a real. Whew. You did a good job. That was awful, man. Uh, let's get. I loved it. Now you're just lying to me. Um, I'm not lying to you. Seriously, that was great. I really did like it. Hmm. Dude, seriously, I am not lying to you. I thought that was amazing. Alright, I couldn't believe it if you said okay, but amazing, I don't think it is. Dude, seriously, it was. Compared to the other one, it okay, was. Okay, there's what I was looking for, compared to the other one. Okay, that makes more sense. All is right with the world again. It is. <laughs> okay. So, why don't we start off with the characters? And let's not save the best for last here. I'm not a whole, I'm not a big fan of that. Why don't we start off with Samwise Gamgee, a.k.a. By the, far the most best character in Lord of the Rings. Fight me, get on my the level. The best character, 100%. Let's go, Gandalf. Gandalf can't even, he, 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 yeah, he, yeah, Gandalf is like, just, just, just like a speck of dust. And yeah, Samwise, he's, he, he's the ultimate. I just, I just can't get, I just can't get enough. This of is unequivocal okay, fact. Okay, Sam is the best character in Lord of the Rings. If you do not believe that, you have an IQ lower than a clamshell. I will prove so, it by, by like sending Sam you so two plus two math questions. And when you fail, and when you fail the math question, I will be proven right. <laughs> so why don't we talk about why we enjoy this character so much? Okay. Uh, yeah, that might be a good idea. Alright, first of all, Sam, I think, um, there's, first of all, from a pure likability standpoint, he is the most likable character, alright? He's the most fleshed out one. Of course, he's the most loyal, he, he's the most loyal, he has the most traits, he's the most caring, he's the most selfless out of right, everyone. Right, but that's not to say that he's, he's perfect or that he's some kind of Gary Stew, which is what makes him even better. Bro. He's perfect. He is a Gary Stew. <laughs> Do you see all the stew? Did you see all the stew he made in the movie? <laughs> He's like a master stew maker. He is the master stew maker. He is. But you you get what? Yeah. So he has that. Yeah. Even with potatoes, he's the master potato stew maker. You you stick them. You you you, you boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew. You know he's greatest line of all time. He. Yep. Beats the pants off of I am your father. I'm telling you that. <laughs> Again, you are you are not wrong, my friend. You are not wrong. Oh, I know. But in all seriousness, so Samwise is prob is the most fleshed out character. He he has the most traits, he's likable, but he's flawed as well, and that makes him even better because he's relatable. He's he's not some kind Wait, how is he flawed? Oh, darn, is... that's a good question. <laughs> Can you think of one flaw? I couldn't think of one flaw. The only thing I could think of that would be wrong with his character, it's not even something about his character, but he doesn't really have a character arc. But that doesn't matter because he was so perfect the whole time. He had no, He had no need to grow. You know, you're actually right, and I feel this is something that's better done in Return of the King. He he really did deserve more of a more of a, an arc for me. I think, like we we had the perfect setup for him in Act One as well. You know the whole awkward around women, afraid of stepping outside the Shire. 
But by the time the second act rolls around, he's not really struggling with the whole fact that he's outside the Shire anymore. He's pretty much adapted. And I actually think, yeah. looking at it purely critically, that is yes. a disadvantage. There, There isn't... It, the growth happens overnight, and it feels unsatis it feels unsatisfactory. Um, I guess yeah. From 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 where you, that you can look at it at that point, from that standpoint, I don't think either of us really do though. That's something you could see wrong with it, but I think both of our opinions are pretty, yeah, up and up with this character. I don't think that detracted at least my enjoyment from for for his character at all. Did it for you? Oh no, not at all. And we have to remember, he's not even the main character. He's still not the... Yeah. Frodo, I think... He's, he's better. Frodo, I think, was a bit more interesting in terms of growth. But once again, his personality yeah. was still just total junk. He did have an arc, though. He did ha He did have... Um, well, since I think we've already talked about Sam, let's go on to Frodo. Frodo did have a negative character arc. Like you, like you talked he's about slowly turning he, into this. Uh, as... He's slowly turning into a power-hungry, you know can't can't uh, lose the ring crazy basically generally <coughs> anakin skywalker <laughs> <laughs> can't lose padme <laughs> turns evil because of it <laughs> nearly well yeah but anakin was cooler <laughs> yeah yeah but but you know he he doesn't like sand so i guess I, I I promise I had something I was gonna say about that, but it just completely slipped my mind. Whatever. Um. So Frodo. Um. As as like you said, he doesn't have much character in this movie. He does have sympathy. He does have sympathy for Gollum, this disgusting little does creature. Does he? Does he? But that's one of the things I wanted. Yes, and and the reason why I think is because he sees. What the ring did to Gollum, and he wants to. And he has sympathy. He wants to believe that somebody can come back from being possessed Just by the ring. Just in case the same happens to him, he sees himself in Gollum. He changes more like Gollum yes, as the show, as that's the movie exactly goes what on. I'm thinking. Yeah, I, I, I got what He's you're saying. He tries, yeah. but I also think yep, that exactly a part why. of it. So one of the things that I thought was really, really brilliant about how they built up Frodo's character arc and a really clever use of foreshadowing was early on, I, don't, I think Jonathan didn't see this because he was watching the theatrical release and I was watching the extended version, but something that I thought was just brilliant was there's a scene early on where Gollum begs for his life and Frodo, Sam is about to cut Gollum's head off and Frodo says, well, I don't know. But Gollum starts begging for his... L begging... No, he starts saying that he'll serve Frodo. That he'll... That Frodo will be his master. And as soon as Gollum says that, Frodo does a total 180 and says, Stop! Huh. It's so dark and it's so subtle. And I love it so much. Cause it's the the it's not spelled out, and you can so easily attribute it to sympathy, which it probably part of it was. But there's just that little bit of darkness there that I think was really clever. Yeah, I'm sorry, I can't attribute much because I didn't see that. All right. <laughs> well, continuing on, I think Frodo probably had the most fleshed out character arc. He was the one who, um. I'm just trying to think of, well, um, y yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I'm just trying to think if there's any other characters that, yeah, I guess everyone else. Yeah, but that's another problem with it. The other characters, I feel like, in favor of Sam and Frodo's, um, they, of Sam, like, 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 in favor of Sam and Frodo, they kind of disregard and throw away everyone else from having any meaningful character. Did you feel that way? Yes. But a part of that ties... Yeah, a part of like, that ties into how the film was structured, which we'll go into later, though. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, um, you want to go on to Aragorn? Sure. I think he was probably... Aragorn was... Cool. <laughs> I I thought the well, I thought the yeah. romance 
He, he was basically... I thought the romance between him and Eowyn was pretty funny, just because of the age difference. Yeah, and another... And another... I feel like I keep doing... I keep watching The Lord of the Rings wrong. Last time I didn't have subtitles, and this time I watched theatrical. But for those of you who didn't see... um, Who saw it theatrical or have no idea, Aragorn is 89. Yeah. I'm sorry. He's an old man. <laughs> I feel like I feel I feel like the more you know about these movies, the less enjoyable they'll become. <laughs> so just, just, just don't look too hard into it. Don't look too closely at that. Word to the wise. Word to the wise. He was basically, besides his romance, degraded to Gimli, Gimli and Legolas's. To, He's to the, third the third wheel. He's the third wheel of Gimli and Legolas. At least Gimli and like. No, at no. least Gimli and Legolas bounce off of each other, dwarf and elf. But Aragorn is the third wheel. I guess so, but the, more the way I was seeing it was that last time, Legolas and Gimli were basically mindless, characterless, except for some banter fighting machines who equalize their orc battles. And I feel like that's the place that Aragorn has now taken as well. Hmm. He's basically an orc fighter. And that's basically all. That, that's that's all who he. That, that's yeah, all that's character. that's one hundred percent accurate. At least in the first movie, there was yeah. that whole. There was the romance. He was an active part of the romance between him and Arwen, and he had that whole doubt yeah. thing about whether or not he can reclaim he, the throne. It wasn't huge. He did, and he did. He also he also had um, his interactions with the hobbits, which he didn't really have meaningful interactions with anyone in this movie. But he did have some pretty funny moments with the hobbits in the previous one. So, yeah, he was just, it's a little sad to see. You know, you, you hate to see it, but I guess. Again, that does kind of tie Gandalf? into how the plot was structured, though. Um, Gandalf, uh, um, you hate to see it, man, but he was also degraded. He used to have such a great character, and now. Yeah, that's something. They did, they, they they did my boy wrong, man. They did like, my boy wrong. One of the major tipping points is he's, like, brought back from the dead, basically. And it feels like all but of his I humanity don't... just, like, got sucked out the drain. You know? That's exactly what I was about to say. As soon as he, like, came back from the dead, all of his personality was gone. Before, he was kind of, like, he's just too majestic, I feel, in this version. You he's, know? like... Like, all the, all, the, all the human personality he had in the first one... I like they kind of make it feel like he's above that now. If that yeah, makes any in the sense. in the per, in the in um the first act, I guess the Fellowship of the Ring, right? He he's this wacky old man type who's strict and nice and kind and just yeah. really really cool. But also has a. But in yeah. this, he was like he, he, a, he, he was, was like an he really angel. Was the most fleshed out character in that movie. He he was like an he was yeah. he was like an angel in the Bible or something, you know. And the other thing, last time he was also important to the plot. This time he only does one thing that's meaningful at all. Well, I'm, I he only does one meaningful thing during this whole movie. He doesn't have any importance to the plot like he did last time. Last time he did have a fair amount, like we discussed earlier in our previous review. Go watch that if you haven't already. It's pretty good. If, yeah, and that, if that forces that one, it can't. You know we that. can't get as invested. With him, because he's not important to the central story anymore. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, um, we have, I guess the the um, what was the name of the king there? Theoden. Yeah, Theoden. Yep, that's it. Um, do you have anything to say about him? I feel like I thought it was. I thought his whole. Kind of he didn't have much personality, but I thought his whole struggle with you know. His entire struggle regarding whether or not he should bring the people to Helm's Deep, you know, if the whole, I I will have my men die in glory rather than slow, painful death or something like that. It it was a little bit interesting. It wasn't Mm -hmm. huge, but fairly interesting. Um, Is there any other characters you can think of? I know I'm probably forgetting a lot, so. (laughs) Oh, yes, Arwen. She is kind of she's pretty stereo she's pretty stereotyped in this movie I feel. Well, I feel like she wasn't any kinda, different in the first movie either. She wasn't in the first movie. She was. What? No. 
I'm talking about Theoden's daughter, oh, right? Oh, Eowyn. I said Arwen. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, Eowyn. Okay, we're talking about Eowyn then? I, I was saying Arwen. Wait a minute. No, I'm talking about Theoden's daughter. Who are you I talking was talking about? about Elrond's daughter, the elf girl. Oh, okay. Oh, oh I see. I see. So are we, who, who are we going to talk about? Let's talk about Theoden's daughter. Yeah, sure. First. Especially because she's connected more to. I feel like she was. I feel like she was a bit stereotyped here to kind of being the, the spunky daughter of the of the you know powerful person you know like shield maiden, <laughs> like Moana, like Moana or pretty much any more Disney example. princess. Yeah, <laughs> most I would say brave is. <laughs> um, I know I hate brave. It's the worst Pixar movie. Fight me on it. Cars 2 is better. <laughs> Watch our Cars 2 review. <laughs> Shameless plugs. And so how about Arwen now? I feel like Arwen is um, smarter. I feel like she movie, has so little screen lightly. time that she's basically irrelevant. Yeah, but she is smarter. So here's the deal. Let me run this by you real quick. So here's the thing. Elves have this thing where they can kind of live forever. That's super generalized, but is that is that's correct, right? That's kind of if they don't die by getting right? stabbed through the heart or something, yeah, pretty yeah. much. They're biologically immortal. Yeah. Yes, okay. But men aren't. You thought the age difference between Eowyn and uh, Aragon was bad? E Eowyn's like twenty, and he's like eighty-nine. Oh boy, you ain't seen nothing. Arwen is two thousand five hundred plus. Ar Aragon, yeah, really? yeah, yeah. Seriously, Aragon is a mere eighty-nine. Like I said, the less you know, the better. So she she has so... been around for a very long time. Yeah, and so the thing is, she has a choice to either. And by the way, before I go into that, what does the white crystal do? Is that basically her giving him his her immortality? Or what is that? Is that just a gift of her think, love to him? Or what is that? I think it's some kind of magical channel thing where she... That's how she was able to talk to him in the dream. Oh, I thought that was something like giving her him her immortality. She does... Spoilers! She does? Uh, not quite, no. Okay, good. So, I believe... Wait, I, I didn't finish that so she has a choice to either stay with him and he'll die eventually just like any normal man maybe a little bit longer and she'll live on forever but be sad and not be able to it's kind of confusing whatever but in the, in the end it's basically die with this guy or live forever without him i would choose live with that live forever without him i think that's a much smarter choice go be with your people have fun your dad's there i'm sure you could Pick someone else out in that, but it's the true love, bells. true love. Yeah, but it's, look, I have a soft spot for true love, but I'd rather live forever, man. Ah, oh, you're you're just heartless, man. To you're quote, just heartless. To, to, to quote Dwight Schrute, I guess people have something against living forever. <laughs> okay, but that aside. Is there any other characters you were thinking besides um, debate down below? Um, is romance more important than endless life? In the comments, if you can comment, I don't want to see. I want to see. I want to see where the general spectrum falls on. Uh, any Mary other and Pippin and Treebeard. Yeah, Mary and Pippin. Okay, I feel like they're basically the same character, but they're braver. I feel like uh, that. Well, they're not the same character, but like. Like, their traits are different, but I feel like they're, yeah, I mean, they're, it's just more the same, just with more bravery. I guess that's it. it yeah, you know pretty I mean? much. They have they have a greater sense of loyalty, and they're braver. And I feel like they really don't grow at all besides that. They do grow from the last movie, but I don't feel much more than that, so they're kind of bland a little bit. Yeah. And the other thing is, the best part about their character in the previous movies were the previous was movie, their wacky was that they were actually, yeah, their goofiness, the the yeah the fun part about them, and so stripping that away well, kind of makes them not as. Here, here's what I find annoying: if if they had approached it slowly and made it like 
what one of the major things was that they didn't take things seriously enough, and that was one of their flaws, right? Like Mary knocks yes, over. They could have like they 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 caused they they well they caused Gandalf to go through the whole thing that he did when they alerted everybody in the mines of Moria, right? I mean, that's a serious problem. Yeah. They were not paying attention to their surroundings, and it affected everybody around them. And in this, like, it, them turning, quote-unquote, braver, well, I guess maybe more responsible, so it does kind of tie in, but it's really vague, and it does not, it, it's, it's really awkward. And they would have been better off saving that it resolution is. for the third act anyway, right? I agree. I feel like I feel like that's true with a lot of things. Like I think we we discussed that a little bit before. A lot of things, if they had just maybe gone by it with a little bit more patience, could have yeah, kept, really. The, if the entire really time they been had, better, if the, the entire time they just kept on hammering home their problems for the entirety of this movie, as things get more and more desperate because of the characters. Like in the first act, it's because of outside for- circumstances, right? But during the second act, there everything's falling apart, and it's because of the characters' flaws. It's because they're broken, flawed people. You know, like everything just gets worse and worse. That would have yeah. been really awesome, I think, because uh, it would have just made have, the yeah. third act so much more satisfying when they finally start to get their stuff together. So I guess now we're on to the. Is there any other characters you were thinking of? Treebeard. <laughs> yeah. Um, cut the trees out. They're annoying. Chop them down. <laughs> get an axe. Wow. <laughs> Chop them down. Deforestation. Yeah. Like, um, Sponsored by Narrative Calculus. Deforestation. Yes, dear. Endorsed by Narrative Calculus. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love trees. I just don't like those trees. Okay. Tree discrimination is not okay. Have we not learned anything within the past couple months, man? Tree discrimination Dude, no. is not okay. No politics. <laughs> no politics. I can see this going awry very fast. So before that goes, let's go on to our plots. <laughs> okay. Did we notice any plot holes? Ty, did we? Huh? Did we? Did we? Did we? Any plot holes? Mm, I don't know. How about you tell me, Jonathan? I don't have any that I wrote down, so I guess not, because I don't see any here. Yeah, there were no major plot holes, I think. Nothing huge. Yeah. Nothing super bad. So, one... The themes in this movie? Hmm? Yeah. yeah. Well, one thing I wanted to bring up in regards to the plot is that it's split about 16 different ways. Well, not not actually 16. Yes. But it's split really badly, and I think that really hampers how it, you know... It hampers the enjoyment of the film. On the flip side of that, even though it may be annoying during the watch, so in case you don't know, this movie has a tendency to kind of um, peak our interest and then stop. I call them mountain peaks. <laughs> mm. <laughs> because what they do is they raise your interest up to an all-time high for that specific storyline, and then they drop and go, they just completely drop it off and go to the next thing. And then they build that, and then they build your interest up for that, and then they just they kind of do that during the whole movie. And that is annoying when you're watching it, yes, but it is a very good way to keep attention. All right, I can I can and appreciate. And even if they if if things get slow, then they always have a backup plan. You know what I mean? Things get slow. It, it doesn't matter if things are going really badly in a scene or not, because you know in a couple minutes it'll switch anyway and give you a break with that. I feel. It was balanced, and it really gave it some some buffer, you know, some, you know, maybe this isn't for you, but this will be for you. So, it, you know, I feel like it played it safe doing that. That's just how I feel. I thought well, it was clever. I get what you're, what you're saying about the aspects of, you know, making it uh, easier to create those attention peaks and whatnot. But my problem is that... With the amount of information going on and the amount of characters, this is why the characters felt so flat, because they were because go- there were three different plots going on and they didn't have the time to ho- to really flesh them out properly. Three different subplots in a two-hour movie—it's yeah. not happening. Like you, you can three hour. Oh, three, three hour. hour for you, or four, or f- three hours for me, or okay. Four. Well, either way, three Depending hours is on. not enough time. 
It's just not enough time. Four. Your your, your version was four yeah, hours. Yeah, four right? hours, but most of it was just fluff and yeah. background information. Okay. I, I that that's my problem with the way they approach this. Like if if they if they had yeah. cut out one of the subplots, that would have killed it for this movie. It would have made it they would have had enough time to flesh everybody out properly. They would have had enough time to give everybody the attention they deserve. Oh. You know what this actually reminds me of? What? Spider-Man 3. Oh yeah, that's actually No, that's a good going point. A, going against a Sam Raimi fanboy right no, here. No, you're you're right. I I I like Spider-Man 3, but I but that's actually one of the criticisms I had against it in my review is that it's split three different ways with three different villains and there's not enough time to emotionally Green to get emotionally attacked. Yes, I mean. And and that's another Exactly. If they had just picked one it would have been better. Just pick one any of them would have worked. Even if they had fine. the time. Even if they had the time, it still forces your attention in three different directions. And like emotionally, then that's again, not though, good. The in in, in Spider-Man 3, if they had just picked one, the story would have been completely fine. But this was intertwined, so I feel like it was kind of a different thing. Hmm. Like, like the tree, like the like the tree beard, the ants coming to defeat Mordor would have made no sense without the Merry and Pippin thing. You're gonna tell me that there's you not know? one way, that there's not some way, that the writers couldn't have possibly moved events around so that. We wouldn't have needed the what? extra subplot. Is this the way it was in the? Is is all the are all these subplots in the book? Is it yeah, like but this? the book had sixty hours. Yeah, but I I feel like they were trying to stay true to the book then. I don't care about staying true to the book if I'm watching a bad film. <laughs> I mean, like I don't care how accurate yeah. you are to the books if the yeah. film is bad. Yeah, I, I I do agree with that. I just I don't know. I feel like when you're going. Just completely all plot aside, if you if you're going, the the um fan backlash can be quite great as we've discovered when you when you deviate from the from the from the book in large ways like such as say taking a, a subplot out. So I feel like that's understandable. It's understandable, but I still think it makes the story worse. Okay. Yeah. Agreed. So, um, I think we're going on to the themes now. I didn't feel like this movie had any... I feel like it had themes within the the subplots, but it didn't really have any overarching themes in it, you know? They're, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, here, let me explain. Like, 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 the tree beard thing was, there's a time to be patient, and there's a time to fight. And right now, it's the time to fight. So, it was about... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's... Uh, it can be stated then, more eloquently the, than that, but basically. And there was also a sub-theme the, of, you know, deforestation and pro-nature, though. And then um, the Rohan bit, I feel like that was stay and face your heademies head-on. Heademies? Did I say heademies? I, I think I did. Enemies. I know, yeah. Say, um, face your enemies head-on. And... Dying with honor and glory, I guess, then re- instead of retreating, I suppose. I guess that's, those are the themes there. And for the Frodo and Sam, I feel it's... Um, I'm actually having a hard time putting that. I just can't think of that. You want to get the Frodo I think Frodo maybe there was some kind of theme about... There were, there were themes going on about the power of corruption, or the corrupt... How power yeah. can corrupt anybody, themes like that, you know? Yeah. The, what what but then there was what also power, like the what power leads to and what friendship can do in the face of that yeah. you know like Gollum is the final end product of Frodo if Frodo continues down the path he's going so yeah, yeah. I actually 100% agree with you there were all these sub themes but it was hard to find an overarching unifying theme that would have been really good for tying together the entire story yeah so um, no overarching themes. A little disappointing. Music and visuals. Oh man, the visual visuals, man. Let's start with that. Man, the visuals, the visuals, the visuals. I felt this movie was much more visually pleasing than the first. I don't know if that's just me personally, but I did. I did like the um, 
at least the places that they were at, aside from the the Shire, that's definitely one of my favorite set pieces in the whole movie. But I did like the kingdom, and the woods was pretty. Um, it was pretty. Like it was, it was nice to look at. I guess besides the trees, man. Those trees though, those were ugly. <laughs> those things were ugly. I mean, those eyes. They look like such cartoons. Like it's hard to take them seriously. <laughs> um, and the Battle of Helm's Holy Deep. Holy guacamole! You know, Jonathan actually sent yeah. me a text earlier, and he said that in battle scenes, Helm's Deep would be like the uh, supermodel of battle scenes. <laughs> he yeah, he did, specifically said, referred see, to it as a if, hot if, move, as a hot battle scene. Hot. I I said I said if movies if movie scenes were attractive, then the Battle of Helm's Deep would be a supermodel. I know that's kind of a weird analogy to draw, but it's what came to mind, and I'm sticking to it. Helm's Deep. I I guess we're gonna segue into scenes here. Helm's Deep had me on the edge of my seat, man. Like I knew it, it was gonna be okay. But the grandiose, the huge, the siege towers coming in overhead, the hopelessness as the walls fell and, like, they tried to stop that orc bomber guy. Like, mm. I mean, it, it was perfectly choreographed. It really might be one of the greatest yeah. films, film battle scenes of all time. Yeah. And and the rain right up there like next it, it's the little things too like the rain constantly going on in the background. Have you seen the like, Have you seen the behind the scenes on how they did that? No, I have not. Have you? Oh, wow. It's actually it actually it's actually looks a lot smaller on the way they did it, which I can understand. There are filmmaking techniques you can use to make things and people all look bigger and you know, there's just things just this this ways to do that. But it actually looks a lot smaller when you see the behind the scenes. Not knocking the scene in any way. Just letting you guys know that clever filmmaking does go a long way. The, watch it, it actually. So... Um, if you haven't seen the Lord of the Rings behind the scenes, watch those. They're so interesting. They go so in-depth on everything that happens. So if you enjoy the movies, watch that right after you're done watching this. Keep listening. It was so... There were so many scenes... I felt like one of the things that they were trying to convey was the sense of hopelessness against this, an overwhelming enemy. And I felt like they did it so well with like these, every, with these moments of heroism that within the context of the battle, you know, is going to be hopeless in the long run. And I know that in the end, they were going to be saved by Deus Ex Machina. But the fact that I knew that, but I was still like, leaning forward really shows something. Yeah. Of course, you know, you can it invert just... the opposite effect. Yep. I was actually watching Star Wars Rebels earlier this week, and have you guys seen the Darth... Why? Have you guys seen the Darth Maul versus Obi-Wan Kenobi battle? If you haven't, like, skip ahead a minute. I have. But I have. It's good. It, it's, it's, it's less than a minute, dude. And it's mostly just build-up. After a second of engaging each other, Darth Maul is insta-killed. It's over. And I think there's something very, very yeah. tragic about that. I like that scene. I did not like Rebels, but that scene was good. Hmm. Okay, so getting back on topic. So music and visuals. Music, as, as always, was absolutely stunning. Something I was interested to discover was that Wonderful. Lord of the Rings actually has... Probably the most complicated film music of any blockbuster movie in terms of how it's late. Would you care to elaborate? First of all, in the number of late motifs, such as, um, you know, do 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 right? The, the late motifs, you have different themes for each character, and the way they intertwine is very complicated as well. Like, have you noticed, did you notice that when Merry and Pippin were with the orcs, like, it was actually playing a minor key variation of the Shire theme at times? I did, I did notice that. Yeah, I did. There, there were a lot of really clever ways that they, like, took advantage of the motifs that had been used earlier in order to build and intertwine it with the characters, which I honestly think was really, really brilliant. Like, 
leitmotifs seem to be are re to you see them used in this way so so um extensively i feel it's very rare to see that in both modern film or even in older film like associating characters with music like that or at least it's harder to get right like they, they it's rare to see it done right like it's being done here yeah yeah, I don't know a whole lot about music theory, so. So, is there any other things that stuck out to you about this movie that you would have liked to change, anything that you liked, didn't like? Alright. First of all, I would have cut out the tons of subplots and sub-scenes, actually. For example, there's this scene, there's a scene with, um, uh, where the mother is telling the kids to ride to Rohan to Rohan's capital. Yes. I get why they did it. I, I, was, I get I was why gonna, they did it. They, you know, when you, when you stop, well, I absolutely understand why they did it. But the problem is, you had about... You had several of these out-of-place scenes with characters that we don't care about. And I get that individually, they mm. made the film better. But as a collective, together, what they... I feel like they really ruined the experience. Because my... my Emotions were getting dragged around all over the place and getting locked onto characters that did not matter. Hmm. I didn't notice that before, but I, yeah, I guess I see what you mean now. Like in like um Arwen, and yeah, I yeah exactly the, um, like that. The worm, um, I nearly said Wormtail. <laughs> um, well, what's the what's the person's called? Worm something. Uh. Yeah. Yeah, the part where you could see that... Worm tongue. That she had... Yeah. Yeah, the parts where, like, he was trying to... Not, like, comforting her, but, like, she, he was, like, yeah. haunting yeah, her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I get why they did that scene. I get why they did the Arwen scene. But together, all of these extra scenes, I feel, really add up to this nasty, bloated problem with the characters. Where there are just so many to focus on at any given time. And like from a log and from an emotional perspective, not necessarily from a logical or pacing perspective, but from an emotional perspective, you're just having dragged all over the place and you can't hold on to the right characters. You can't latch on to them. Yeah. One thing, I another thing I want to bring up. Oh, do you want to go? Sure. Yeah. I'm just going to go through a couple of my likes for so, um, uh, we talked about in our review of the first movie how some of the effects, including Gandalf, were a bit janky. Yeah. <laughs> and for this movie, I found the effects, besides the trees, which I thought were bad, especially for the Thor Ragnarok monster, were really, really good. Like, the fight that Gandalf has with the Ragnarok monster was awesome. Like, like that looked completely real, and it looked so epic. Like, that battle, it wasn't as, like, it, it's a different feel than Helm's Deep, you know what I mean? Like, Helm's I mean, Deep is hundreds not really, of different small monsters. Yeah. yeah, this is, this is, this is like, just kind of like a one-on-one -on -one that super powerful guys against each other. It's a different feel, but I still felt that battle was amazing, too. Like, even though it's super short, it's just, I, I think some of the, like, the coolest one-on-one -on -one battles are, like, when the, like, the, like, well, I guess everyone feels this way, but the, the boss battles are always the coolest. Speaking of boss <laughs> battles, I was and fighting this epic, huge snow monster in Minecraft earlier. <laughs> I know in Minecraft. Okay, no one wants to hear that. Okay. <coughs> um, I did not get who the people were, a lot of these people. Um, Ty and I talked about this for a while. But in the movie, these people just start, at least in the version I watched, these people, like, these men, and then these these elves just kind of start showing up out of nowhere and I have no idea who they are and it was really confusing for me it at was least. said earlier I, I don't, don't get understand. your I don't get your criticism with that one they say it earlier it, the Elrond and Galadriel say we need to honor our alliance with men and send men over okay okay we, we already talked about that but the one thing that I didn't talk to you about yet was who are the people who it was a group of men, it was not orcs. Saruman says, the people of Rohan stole your lands. Go, get them. Who were those people? They weren't orcs. Do you yeah, remember that? they're Haradrim. No, they weren't. The Haradrim had, were like 
had these like specific uniforms. They look like farmers. They look like angry farmers. Oh, those guys. Hmm. Yeah, that's uh, who were they? Those guys, huh? They completely showed up out of nowhere. You got to give me that one. They were totally out of place. They what were, yeah. They Sorry, they they did pretty much come out of nowhere. You're right on that. Yeah. Um. The like I said before, the the um, the effects for the trees were not good, and there was a couple moments when they were climbing the trees, Mary and Pippin, where I could tell that the leaves were fake. Did you notice no, that? I actually didn't notice that the I didn't leaves. Notice. Really? If you if you look closely at the leaves, if you squint in the right way, you could definitely tell there's something a bit a bit off about them. Okay, so I don't understand the red sun. What? Why does it come up? It comes up when blood is shed. So if a wolf ate a sheep in that universe, would it come up? Or if someone just killed someone else randomly, would it come up? Or is it just for battles? Is it just for main characters? How does it work? How does it? Because blood is shed literally every night. So how could you? And, and for what area does it count as? And if it's, shouldn't it, you see, there's so many inconsistencies with the red sun. How, how would that work? Do you have any Yeah, I got nothing. Okay, I guess that's, I guess that's the movie's fault. I'm not dumb. <laughs> I don't get the, well, what the swamp is all about. I understand that it's, uh, it happened, there was a battle there a long time ago, and that these men and elves and orcs fell in, but. Is it just haunted? Is it just haunted for no reason? Is it just is it just there? I think it has something to do with like uh, Mordor or something being so close in proximity. Like there's some kind of magic preventing okay. their souls from escaping and they're just... Or maybe something to do with the yeah. sheer concentration of hatred there causing their anger to mm -hmm. stay behind and haunt all those who, you know. Okay, um, Elijah Wood. I feel like the actor did a very good job at slowly working his mind to being poisoned you know what i mean like i feel like he did a good job acting for that to kind of show his gradual drift towards the dark side <clears throat> um like we said before we also i also love the um the iconic universally known samurai's gamgee line potatoes <laughs> boil them mash them <laughs> stick them in a stew I mean, who doesn't love that line? You know, it's 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 the greatest. Um, Sam's speech at the end was also very good. It really encapsulated, like, like the themes of the series. I say, I, I would say, like, not necessarily even one of the movies, but it really shows. It's really a reflective moment for the whole series to remind us why this is all happening and to remind the characters. So I definitely liked his little his little speech. About uh, like how, and sometimes you you don't even know why, but those are the stories that stick with you because the characters had so many points where they could turn back, but they don't. I thought that was definitely very powerful. Um, I think that's it for me. But yeah, that speech. For me, I just wanted to mention. He's gonna speak at my wedding. <laughs> <laughs> for me, I just wanted to mention that uh, I think Gandalf still came in too early. I just wanted to restate that he really should have come in near the end when things were looking most hopeless. Just a couple clues that he might have been alive or something like that, but never make it outright obvious. Then out of nowhere, he comes riding on the sun. <clears throat> Sorry, I don't know where that came from. Gandalf really is supposed to be some kind of Jesus figure, okay. though, isn't he? Yeah. He's not as good, though. <laughs> okay, so how about what well, what are we feeling on our final opinions and summaries? What do we what are we thinking about right. this movie? How Summed up, I think it is a great. It's still great in that it's still entertaining, and even though it fails in its execution, it's there are still some really excellent. Uh, overall, it's still really solid. <laughs> Even if the subplots could have been ditched, so... So the way I feel about this movie... I think it was better than the first one. I think it was basically more of the same with the minor differences. Um, it was a bit more entertaining and had a couple of better scenes in it. But I didn't feel it rose a whole lot above the level of the first one. I mean, it did, but it's nothing tremendous, I think. Aside from the occasional speech or 
acting or a line or a battle, you know. So, but it's still a good movie, you know. It's it's still a fun watch, and I would definitely recommend it to most people. And I think, yeah, that's those are my thoughts of it. Not the greatest movie ever, but definitely a good one. So, Todd, what would you rate this I movie? I want to give it a 9. I really want to give it a 9. I would give it a 10 if it were within my power, but I'm going to have to give it a zero. I think Ty's drunk today, guys. <laughs> uh, hey, man, what's going on? I rated, I rated a <laughs> 3.5 out of 4. Good evening, good morning, good... Alright, seriously, I would give it... 8... Even though it strains my soul not to give it something higher, because I love these movies. Eight. Really? Hmm? I feel completely justified. If not, I'm on the other side of the scale thinking I should give it a 7.5. But I'm pretty solid on an 8. Well, for me, it's just I have history with these movies. Like, I was really, really into Lord of the Rings. I mean, I I had the audiobooks. I still have the audiobooks. I still I read the Lord agree of the Rings again. and Hobbit very... like, as much as I can. Yeah. So, I guess, for the second time in a row, Ty, we've made history today. History has been made for the second time in a row. Ty and I agree on a rating, so I guess, together, the Narrative Calculus Podcast rates this movie, Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, an 8 out of 10. Thank you. Good morning. Good evening and good night. Thanks to all our loyal listeners out there for sticking by us all these episodes. We're going to try to do some expanding soon, maybe some social media, and we're going to get a couple of extra episodes out this summer, a little, couple little surprises to keep you guys on your toes, so watch out for those. That rhymed, I just noticed that. <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, and if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. It really helps. It really keeps us motivated keeps our spirits up just like you're a sam and where you're or give it a one star rating <laughs> and tell your i'll fight you and force you to change it to five stars though so be warned be sure to tell your friends to subscribe also we're also available on everywhere you listen to podcasts apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify anywhere else and i guess that's it thank you so much for listening and we'll see you on the next one bye Whew.